Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Servant leadership. We've been talking about the qualities of a servant leader. We've talked about this servant leader. It's a different type of leadership. It's a leadership based on service, not on authoritarianism. It's a servant leadership mentality of let's go do it, not you go do it. And we've talked about the qualities of a servant leader. We've talked about valuing diverse opinions. We've talked about cultivating a culture of trust. And we've talked about developing other leaders. In thinking about that last one that we covered on the last podcast, I came across a quote by Ronald Reagan. He said, the greatest leader is not necessarily the one who does the greatest things. He is the one that gets the people to do the greatest things. So, and we would amend it to he or she is the one that gets the people to do the greatest things. And as we look at that quote, that I think really is about developing other leaders because other leaders will take you to places that you could never go to on your own. The fourth quality of a servant leader is the one that we're going to cover today. And that quality is someone that helps people with life issues, not just work issues. I think that's very important. What does that mean? Let's unpack that. Well, a servant leader is someone who cares about the people who work in the organization. So it's not just caring about the result. It's not just caring about the business outcome. It's actually caring about the people. Drew, it's about the people, not the result. I'm about the people. All about the people. I'm about the people. As long as they get the result. This is a business. <laughs> so people who are servant leaders really help their team with the life issues. I remember a few years ago, business authors, a lot of the, the HR press that was coming out in human resources was talking about human capital. And it was implying that the people were an asset similar to equipment or inventory, which to me was so demeaning and degrading, like they were tractors or something of that sort. When you think about people as people, you want to help them with their life issues. It implies respect, trust, and care. J.D. Power said it means not asking people to do anything you would not do for yourself. So when you treat other people with respect, if you have high expectations, hold people accountable, you develop a high-performance team. But if you treat people like machines, you'll never have the opportunity to see what they're truly capable of accomplishing. So servant leaders help people with life issues. The idea is they're caring, they're empathetic. They're thinking about how can I serve others? And often that means that you have to understand their needs beyond simply their needs at work. It may not just be, oh, you need a new computer or you need something to get it done, but you may have other needs. You, you may have family needs for a time or uh, you're, you're sick. So, something's going on that... If you express it and you really care about that person, you will move them forward. Now, that can bring a lot of issues in the HR world, right? You don't want to be meddling. You don't want to violate privacy. You don't want to disclose to your boss things or to your team things that you wouldn't want to disclose necessarily. So you want to be careful about that. This is one that you really want to be careful about, but it's important to understand. I will tell you when your boss cares about you as a person, not just as an output, you really 
perform better. You will go the extra mile. If that person understands that, you know, sometimes we go through seasons. Sometimes it's a season of summer and it's really hot and it's really difficult and things are laborious. And other times it's fall and the results are just coming in and you're just amazed at all the things that are happening. And other times you're in the season of planting and you're just, you know, doing a lot of the work, but you're not seeing any results because that will take some time. So servant leaders understand that people are in different seasons, that people have different things going on in their lives, that people are more than widgets. People are people, and we need to care about them as people. Sounds basic, sounds so commonplace. Well, of course they're people, and of course this, that, and the other. But it's not always the case that people are treated the way that they would want to be, that people are treated as people. I will say it's also the reverse I found, which is the the boss is also a person. So many people think- What? Things, yes. Can you believe it? It's true. <laughs> it's true. Amazing. That, you know, the, the boss actually is a, a person, wh- whether he or she is um, fighting with something, is tired, is stressed, uh, a sick kid or whatever. Oftentimes the employee says, hey, I want to be treated as a person. I want you to understand everything, but you have to show up perfectly every time. And I think a great servant leader is one that develops this culture where we understand each other, it's symbiotic, it's kind of we all care for each other, and that we are getting a job done, we know what our focus is, we know what outcome we want, we're not making excuses, because I don't like them, but we're helping each other with life issues. So we have our panel here, we're talking about this fourth characteristic of servant leadership. That is helping people with life issues. So to do that, we have Jennifer Collins. Jennifer sitting in the same place. We, you know, it's funny. People always tend to come into the room, and once they've sat in that place, they sit in the same place. That is so true. Every meeting. Mm-hmm. What is that? I don't know. You started it. I did. Yeah. That's because he told me to okay, sit here. That's true. It's not, it's not <laughs> us. I, I follow Carrie's uh, orders because Carrie is our uh, amazing audio engineer of these podcasts, the the real <laughs> master behind the scenes, and he tells me where to sit, and I just do it. But he does it in a servant leadership way, I must say. I must say. And so Jennifer Collins is here, and she's in her normal place over yes, there. I am. And she is ready to add to this podcast. I think you know Jennifer from the past podcasts that you've listened to four or 500 times probably. And we have Drew Bordas, who's seated. Seated? You're seated. Seated. You're seated. You're seated. You're seated right there. Sitting. You're seated. It's a West Virginia. <laughs> it's a West Virginia. Oh, yes, man. See, he's from West Virginia. You're there alienate, you go, Tim. <laughs> this podcast is going to alienate a lot of West Virginia Georgia Tech grads. I'm just going to yes. throw You know, out. my That's family it. was from West Virginia, okay. so just, I, I love West Virginia. Okay. Country roads. Careful. Take so, me home. adding to the panel, of course, across the table from Drew Bordas on my immediate left is Tammy Spade, who is uh, is at it already. And so we know she's in her happy place when she's on the attack now, because you're never there. So rarely. you rarely get there. So you know you're really in a healthy space if Tammy's coming out. That means, you know, I trust you. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to zing you a little bit. So uh, we are going to talk about helping other people, helping understand what their issues are. And how do you react to that? When I say servant leaders help people with life issues, they help people with their lives, they understand 
the the person beyond the the quote widget and how do you react to that i don't know if you have a reaction or if you've read that literature of widgets and people and human capital what are you thinking about when i say all of that jennifer what comes to your mind well for me because i'm in benefits i'm in wellness so i'm always thinking of that you know in the aggregate just collectively for the population what issues might you guys be dealing with in life and how can we help that? What are the programs we can offer? Um, and so, so I'm thinking of that all the time on the larger, you know, grander scale. But of course, for my team, more intimately, more personally, it's it's like you said, it's the respect, it's the care, and you just kind of naturally do it. It, it goes back to the golden rule, the things you learn about when you're a kid, treat others the way you would like to be treated. And I don't, I don't see why that wouldn't also then bleed into the professional, you know, environment as well. You know, it's a team of people. Yes, they're your employees, but it's, you know, you're leading them. You're not necessarily just managing them, but you want to bring out their best. And and in order to do that, you have to understand anything they're going through on a personal level and what you can do to help to the degree you can help without, you know, crossing any kind of lines. Because again, HR, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a great thing to, to understand and, and help people through their personal issues. And how do you react to that, Drew? Well, there, there was something uh, to build on what Jennifer said, and, and you mentioned it in your intro about the the be careful part of this. I, I think there's there's different ways to build trust with your team um, depending on how long you've known them, and that, and there's there's ways to do it all along. So an, an example is um, when we get a new employee in our division, I schedule a half hour to sit down and meet them and talk to them, kind of agenda free. Like I just want to know. Are you from Ohio? Do you have a dog? Do you like libraries? Like, no, not really about the job, not about the work. But I just want to know your name, say hi to you. So if I see you in the cafeteria, I've met you before, right? Versus somebody you've worked with for 10 years, 30 years, you know that person at a whole different level. Like, I mean, you know, you could look at me and know if I'm on or off, you know, I, the same with you. And and when, you, when you've got that, you've got a more of a level of trust, more experience with each other. Just I know what your normal day is. I know what your bad day is. I know what your good day is. And you're able to, hopefully, if you're in a healthy spot, right, in a servant leadership spot, you can say to that person, um, is something going on? You know, you 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 were in that meeting in a, in a way that you're not not normally, right? Are you okay? And it's it's all right to have that conversation when you're at that level. Very I love true. that example that you just used about welcoming a new employee. It it does so many things um, beyond what you're saying. Yes, it it involves an introduction between you and that individual. Um, gives you an opportunity to get to know them a little bit. But the other thing that it does is it says we're a culture that cares about you beyond your position or yes. your role or what you're going to produce for the organization. Skip mentioned human capital. And, you know, when you look back throughout the um, evolution of business, you see a lot of phrases like personnel, human capital, FTEs, even human resources. W-2 is my favorite. W-2, yeah. headcount. They're all things that really um, reduce the individual to something that is almost robotic. And we know that that's not the case. We're people. And as people, we bring all facets of ourselves to work, whether it's an emotional facet, physical, spiritual, mental, um, familial, all those things, backgrounds. We bring it all with us, and we focus on the work that's to get done. But you know, you think of it as co-workers. We're working. We're laboring. We're co-laboring together. Mm -hmm. 
and and we do that together. And when we do it together, we recognize that one day I may be on, and the other day you may be on, and you know I may be um, off and need some help. And and we co labor together. It's so powerful in my experience when you show up authentically and really listen and get to know that person. I'm thinking of an employee that had some personal issues, was going through some things at home, and I didn't know the specifics, but I learned about them. And this person said, you know, I'm resigning, I'm quitting, I don't even have a place to go right now, I just need to not be working. And I said, you know, we're going to do something here. And and we did, we created something for that person. And when that person came back, it didn't need that long, really, just, just need, you know, difficult things, had to get my head together was so much more committed, more balanced, was just okay, and was so thankful and so appreciative and even more loyal to the organization, maybe to me too, because, not because of anything I really did, I just cared. You know, you just cared. And like I said, we're all people. And that person really, you know, you really cared enough to do this for me and that means something. If you show up at someone's wedding or their family's funeral, I mean, good times, bad times, whatever, just showing up actually means something, I think, to people. And I've seen it in a, in a unique way. It's that, that personal touch. And you can't do it as a leader. You can't do it to everybody. But servant leaders do it naturally. And it doesn't matter. You know, we think about a company and hierarchical structures and all that. It's actually servant leadership happens in a church pew when someone welcomes you and wants to get to know who you are. Happens in the symphony hall when you're meeting somebody who's seated in your row. Seated in your row, I was about to say. (laughs) It's in my mind. When you're at a game and the baseball game and the guy behind you spills his beer all over your back and you're anxious to get to know him. Do or... you need to talk about this? I, See, I knew I knew that life issues what? would lead us to strange places. This this feels like a what? real experience. Yeah. What is it with people? I mean, first of all, these stadiums that just happened are to me Saturday. See? Just happened to me on Saturday. See? Yeah. I mean, first of all, these stadiums are designed for people. I mean, I'm not big and these stadium seats are designed for people. I think you have to sit at an angle, right? Just to just to fit in cuz the guy next to me was so big, I'm getting pushed over here. Right. So now my spine's kind of out of whack. And so I can barely sit down. And now this guy behind me spills his beer. What is that? Like, that is not good. Don't you think the same engineers that are creating the specifications for the the airline seats are also doing the stadium seats? They must. I I think it's the same group of people. I think they recycled the same seats. They might. (laughs) Just put a little cover on. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think this is really, this is not good design. And it, it, but I, I was inspired to get to know this person and understand what made him tick. Why is it that you are so foolish? No, no, no. <laughs> Don't spill beer on people and popcorn. At it least with that. Seems so like the, a general rule. Just the, just the first thing is if you're going to do that. See, Drew, if you did that, I know the first thing you would do is you'd say, can I, can I make this up to you by buying you a beer and getting of some course. popcorn? I mean, not just act like you didn't do it. And then looking around like this is a mystery. 
It is not a mystery to me. It's you. It's There's like, nobody seated next to you. Yeah, it's like when our four-year we took our four-year-old to the circus and she got one of those twirly whirly toys caught in the woman's hair in front of us. You can't pretend that it didn't, <laughs> it didn't happen. happen. <laughs> it's, Just walk it's, away. It's my kid. Yeah. There, there she is. That's, That's classic. classic. Yes. Oh, it was great. Oh, wow. So servant leaders help people with their life issues. They they help people and wherever they are, wherever they show up in the grocery line, whatever it is, they're helping people with life issues. They're helping people get better. They're understanding the person, but they do it in a way that's authentic and not crossing a line where it can't be crossed. I'll talk about that in a minute, but I'm going to put a pin in that and we'll come back to it. I want to talk about a culture where this happens. I'm going to talk about a culture where it doesn't. Drew, you mentioned if you know if you know somebody for 10 years, then you know, and you know what they look like and what they're showing up like, et cetera. But in fact, I've, I've been in some places where I look at somebody and I go, wow, we've worked together for 10, 15 years, and I don't know you. You're showing up like an, what were you saying, a robot or an automat, you know, mm-hmm, dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. and I don't know who you are, right? You're so close to the vest with your family and your emotions and your experiences that I don't feel like I know you. You're, you're so guarded. And so you, you obviously don't want to make that person uncomfortable. You don't want to create an awkward situation, but how do you, how do you develop a culture of trust if you don't get them to open up? And some people feel like I have to show up as a phony at work. I have to show up as this perfect image of what I'd like to be. And if I shared that I was going through a divorce or I was struggling with a kid or somebody dumped something up. You know, if you share the story that it would, it would make me look less awesome, powerful, professional, et cetera. So have you seen that ever where you're working with somebody a long time and you're like, no, the whole culture is encouraging you to be phony. Cause that's the opposite of what we want to create with a culture of authenticity and servant leadership. I mean, I think I force it out of people just by accident. Cause I, just can't help it. So I'm asking you personal questions. You know, hey, what what what'd you do this weekend? Did you watch the ball game? Do you have, you know, what did your dog do? Do you have like I just it's just how I work. So I it's if there was somebody who didn't want to talk about that type of stuff, they would run away from me. It explains so why people are always running away. It could, from it, it, some people. And then, yeah, <laughs> then they people. come visit me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Jennifer's designing a program to bring them back in. <laughs> yeah, and make them right. I'm taking notes right now. Yes. <laughs> Call this number. But, but I mean, seriously, you know, my team very much um, kind of weaves in and out of work conversation, then weekend football comment, then my kid's doing this tonight, then back to work idea. It just, it's all just one conversation. For us. And I, I'm very comfortable that way, so I don't know if I've forced that on them or just lucked out. But It's good. You know, I you also know. think – I don't know if you have any tactics for helping people open up. Um, I think those are always good. I like to ask people to open up your phone and show me just one picture that would surprise me or that <laughs> you would like to – or that you would like to share. You know, so it's your it's your choice to, to you know, pick any picture, right? Some may picture show a flower or whatever. But they may open up to, well, here's, you know, I'm a photographer. I took this or whatever. Like, I, I find that. Do you have any tactics that you use for people who you find are difficult to crack? I, I think that's a great strategy. I hadn't thought about the phone photo before. I do think over time you can get people to open up a little bit, some to lesser degrees than others, maybe because they do feel like, you know, I, I worked 
13, 14 years in healthcare, and healthcare clinicians typically are taught to be very serious. This is generally, you know, unless you're there having a baby, but even then it's it's a serious situation. They're taught to be very serious, and they're kind of in those fishbowl moments on the floor in the hospital, and no one wants to see them joking around. Um, so we actually created what we called wrap opportunities where, okay, it was many years ago. So (laughs) wrap was probably popular at the time, but wrap opportunities where people could sit and we had three or four kind of discovery questions and they would be on a card and people would just go around and what's the thing that you're most proud of um, in, in your life? What did you learn the most from? I don't remember what all the questions so were. So non-threatening. But they were but... Non-threatening, and everybody shared. And you could choose what you were going to share, kind of like your photo. We did this as part of an executive team, Skip, that you led. You know, what's what's one of the just the most powerful, most significant things in your life? And we just paired up and shared that. And some people shared just sometimes the, the shyest people shared the most heartfelt um, wrenching, maybe really positive things, but also some really tough things. And it increases that authenticity. And, you know, we joke with Drew a lot, but he is very open and very authentic, easy to approach, interested. You you joke about not being interested in people, but you really are. I've been coached. You really care. Be interested, not interesting. It's so hard. <laughs> Jennifer, if we turned to you and said, show us a picture, what would it be? I was going to say my dog, but we lost her to cancer last summer. Oh, see, but there you <laughs> go. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks. 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 Servant leadership. No, but there you go. There you go. I mean, that's that's exactly right. Right. Yeah. Because that's like losing a member of the family. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's, a, it's an emotional years. experience. Twelve years we had her. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. go right there. Yeah. And so, if you were to open up that phone and show me that, we would be able to know not just the dog, but What's the name of your dog? Well, the kids called her Princess Leia from Star Wars. She was a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, and she was a princess. And she had an English accent every time we spoke for her. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That is awesome. She had a personality, too. That's great. So so – that that's exactly the way it would work, and I think these these types of things are what bonds people because mm-hmm. helping people with life issues. If if somebody loses an animal or a member of the family and you don't know about it, you're going to lead them in a different way than if you do. Well, and, and that that reminds me. I mean, that's things like that where so many people have been through it. But it's tough, right? It, it does help to relate, and but you don't necessarily want to walk around the building saying, "Hey, my dog died yesterday." Does anybody want to talk about this? And and you know, I had a, a a colleague recently that uh, their wife is going through a, a lot of miscarriages. They're having trouble, you know, having a baby, and that is also something that's super common, more common than you would think. But you don't want to walk in the building right. and say, "Hey, has anybody been through this?" Right, and it's mm-hmm. painful, it's painful, and it's stressful, and it's, and, it's, and it's very real, and it affects your work, and and it it just really does. Yeah, and so finding people where you can actually have that conversation and just say, "Yeah, man, I've been there. I remember how hard it was." You will come out on the other side of it if your wife needs somebody to talk to. I mean, you know, just things like that. That uh, that just helps that person relate so much better and just know I'm not alone. So, how do you? draw the line. So some of the, t- some of the help people with their life issues on both sides of this, an employee may be disclosing too many things, right? First of all, you don't want to ask things that would be illegal or violation of privacy, et cetera. And, and you just wouldn't want to, some people may do it innocently, but it's wrong. I remember 
coaching one CEO who came over from Europe, had a European background, it was very common to say, tell me about your spouse and how long have you been married and da, da, da. Anyway, you know, two questions in, we were saying, you can't ask that, you can't ask that, you can't ask that in an interview. And we would say the most dangerous time in an interview is the time you finish the interview till you walk to the elevator. Because mm. it's filling that space where all of a sudden you'll ask questions that are inappropriate, right? So we have legal bound boundaries. We have appropriateness and decorum. But the the boss to ask questions and the person working for that person when can also disclose too much, like too much detail. That's not appropriate. We don't need to know all of that. Um, so how do you find those lines? How do you find those? So I'm going to turn and ask resident HR executive Tammy Spade to to – help us with that because that was going to be my answer i go to tammy <laughs> <laughs> say tammy what do we do well i i do think that um we've all you know crossed some of those lines or maybe been in a conversation where we observed those being crossed i think the difference is being co-worker coach and counselor you're not a counselor but you are a co-laborer a co-worker um, sometimes you're in that position of coach when someone isn't functioning and they're not functioning long-term and they're unable to begin to make improvement or to deal with whatever the life issue is, that's a time where the line probably has been crossed, not in an inappropriate way, but in a way that suggests to you, this person needs more resources than I'm in a position to be able to give. So it's being empathetic, sympathetic, depending on what your personal experience is, but not crossing the line into the counselor category. We, we have a senior in our home. Our son, our youngest, is a senior in high school. And when you have a senior in your home, that, does, that may not mean high school to most people. That's true. Well, I, I'm, we're probably the other seniors in the home. I, I don't know. <laughs> Certainly he thinks so. You <laughs> he know, definitely if, thinks. if you're ever 40-year-old, that, that's just how it goes. Ancient. Um, it, ancient. Yes, ancient. There are a lot of, lot of uh, adjectives that are used there. All inappropriate, of course. Yes. However, um, wise and mature don't seem to come out in, in those adjectives. But he's thinking about where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do after high school? So he was talking to one particular teacher who he has a really good connection with. And at a certain point, that teacher said, I've given you the information I can give you, and we've had this great conversation, but you need to go talk to the guidance counselor because this is what they do. They have all kinds of data and analysis and information that you can use, and you can you know, use as you talk to your parents who are going to be paying the bill, by the way, to make that decision. So I, I think that's just maybe a simple example of a time when you can determine whether that line is being crossed. I think being aware too of just of just watching that other person's body language and because like we said, not everybody has the same comfort level with this, which is which is fine. Um, you know, but just watching them if they're if they're reacting in any back, you know, pulling away, uh, you know, you can stop. <laughs> you can stop asking questions, stop prying. I mean, you know, go at their speed. You know, and, and you just may not need to know. You may just be nice, and and this is how you act, and you expect everybody to feel the same way, and they might not. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just, like you said, you can just know. And and really, when you have a team, you know, you, you start to pick up on just the relationships within your mm -hmm. team as well. And so you can go to people who, or know Tammy, correct me if I'm wrong, you can go to people on your team who you know are close with them and mm -hmm. say, hey, I you know, I, I get this feeling. I'm here if she needs me, you know. And usually you can kind of work through that person to help the person in need. That's a great strategy, too. Mm-hmm. It's really appropriate. I, I remember one coach who regularly crossed the line from coach 
to, I think I'm some kind of psychotherapist and would be bringing <laughs> up difficult issues of childhood and forcing those things out in any inappropriate situations, inappropriate relationships, in inappropriate times, and would bubble up things in people that this coach did not know how to deal with. So uh, someone that would have kind of a mental um, breakdown or uh, real stress in their lives and could precipitate it and bring it on and would think that it was helpful by getting all of this out and having the person, but this person was not a therapist. And so it just made me think about that line of, it was appropriate to coach, but you've crossed the line from coach. So a good coach knows that and says, you know, we need to bring in professionals because sometimes people have needs and you have to care for those needs. And I know uh, you champion even numbers, uh, phone numbers in some companies that we can call in our mm -hmm. organization for assistants and counselors, but there's always somebody you can bring in, but knowing where that is. But a servant leader is really interested in that person. I think it's just a leader takes a genuine interest in the other person. It's interested in you, is trying to help you get to where you want to go and is helping you with your life issues because life and work are not separate. Family, you know, we try to keep these things in buckets. I think years ago, maybe it was, but it's all intermingled today because of our devices. Right. You can't. Right. You can't help it. So the device from work is coming and invading the home and home stuff is invading work and you can't help it. You can't say turn on. I don't think there's an app that turns off like the family coming in during these hours. There, that would be a good <laughs> app though. Think Vice about versa. That. Right. We're a technology off, firm. That's right. Turn off the, uh, the work emails like literally that would be good. But helping people with life issues, I think it's a very important part of servant leadership to make sure that you're genuinely interested in the other person, the service mentality. And if you're going to serve them, you're going to have to understand them. And if you're going to understand them, you're going to have to know them more than just the output of what they're doing in the job, but you're going to have to know them as a person. And that's whether you work with them in any capacity. Do you really understand that person? What makes them tick? What's their joys? What's their lows? What's making them happy? It will help the relationship and it will really keep them longer and keep them engaged at a higher level. So thank you, panel, for talking about this because I think it's a very under-discussed area of leadership, which is where are those lines and how do you help people with their life issues, not just with the job or the strategy. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.